Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, hey y'all, for those who've been watching, hi, my name is Blue Toulouseman. Welcome to another episode of Humanized. Uh, for a quick second, that run was so good, I did forget that we were taping. Um, I am here today with an extra special guest. We have here writer, producer, creator, mother, wife, uh, friend, and NAACP Image Award nominee, Serena Singleton! Now, be it. Okay, so Serena's my real friend in real life. And she's very modest, so she hasn't told everybody that she got nominated for an Image Award for I don't know why, because I would tell everyone. I would have changed my name Whoa. to Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like Blue NAACP. Like, oh, I should claim that for myself. Now, Sarita, I want to ask you a question. How do you feel now that you are officially a big deal? Like, officially. I don't know that I'm officially a big deal. Girl, don't do that. We don't do that. This is called humanized, not life of the camera. No, because, I mean, it's how you feel about yourself, That's right? True. Like, there are people who may think that. But for me, I'm still, like, there's so many things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I haven't fully hit everything that I was that meant so to do beautiful. or that I I'm here to that do. You, that you love Beyonce because this is a very Beyonce answer. <laughs> Beyonce, how does it feel to be Beyonce? Am I? I just feel like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, for real. I mean, but I will say um, the nomination really surprised me. Really? Why? First of all, I just, I don't know. Because I think as a writer, you just accept that you're going to be doing the work. Yep. You're not going to be in front of the camera, really. And That's people true. will not. That's true. Writers may never fame. No. And people don't think about oh, who wrote that unless they're a writer. You're right. You know what I mean? I always think about who wrote that, but I'm a writer, so I'm biased. Yeah. Well, before we get into work stuff, because I just had to get the Image Award stuff out first while I was still moderately sober because okay. the Jamaican rum is actually working quicker than I had expected. She's I feel, sipping on it straight. Look, I'm 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 a grown, grown kind of I rum drinker. Strongly suggest. All, although the Slurpee looks so good, um, I'm going to ask you to maybe at some point to pour a little bit in because that looks good as hell. Uh, now's a good time. For those of you <laughs> who have not been cyber stalking me on social media, Sarita and I are real life friends. This is not an industry kind of interview. Uh, we had a fun, fun time over the last six months before before we get to uh, talking about our holidays and all that good stuff, I would like to, for a second, briefly talk about how we became friends. Okay. Because there are moments in your life where you're like, oh, no, this is God, because there's no way that this was supposed to happen, right? And so not getting too much into our business, because 2022 was a year transition, honey, I was having a rough week. And by week, I mean six months. And Sarita was having a rough week as well. And both of us were invited to to be... Were you a plus one as well? No. Oh, um, Amy was your plus one. Yeah. So Amy and Sarita go to this event. And for those of you who remember, Amy is the person who I had on in December. And I was so excited. Like, oh my God, my friend Amy has a show coming out. It's called Rap Shit. Oh my God. So every time I would see Amy, I would tell everybody, Amy has a show out. Rap Shit, Rap Shit, Rap Shit. 
I go to a party, and at the party, I see Amy, and I'm so excited to see her. And then she introduces me to Sarita. And, she, and I was about to say, oh, my God, when's your show coming out? And as I'm saying that, Amy's like, actually, it's Sarita's show. And I was like, oh, well, girl, I've been showing you out for six months and didn't even know you. And Sarita looked so innocent and sweet in that moment. <laughs> like a dawn, like Bambi. I was like, oh, I think I want to be her friend. And then we just ended up having a really um, inappropriately deep conversation from Jump. Yeah. And I'm not, and this is the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's hard to, not hard, statistically speaking, the older you are, the harder it is to make friends. And I think both of us have shared that we don't have made a new friend in a very long time. Yeah. What did it feel for you that day? Because had I known, this was the 4th of July, I did not think I was going to show up and meet somebody who's going to be a part of my life. I just thought that I was having a sucky day and was running into a nice girl. And by the end of the day, I was like, oh my God, I think I do want to be her friend. What do you remember from that from that 4th of July? Well, first of all, can I get some more rum? See, I knew you were going to want more. Take the straw out because I don't want to, you know. Actually, take the top off so you can glug, 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 glug. You guys? No. <laughs> no, this is going to look real unclassy. One, two, three, four, five, six. Ah, okay. All right. You know I count different? Okay, hit it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for admitting. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, um, four, five, six for me too. How did it feel for me that day? Stay in front of the mic. Mm -hmm. How did it feel for me? I mean, first of all, that was a crazy ass day for me. Last year, 2022, was just insane in so many ways. I mean, I feel like I've been on a crazy ride the last few years. Mm. But um, that day, I was so sad. And I almost didn't come to the party. But me then too. I was just like, well, what's the alternative? Like, I'm just going to sit at home and be sad by myself. So I'm going to just go and show my face. And I came and I feel like... Um, when Amy and I sat down at that table, I think we got our plates and we were sitting down and you were sitting there. And then you started talking about what you were experiencing in your life. Mm -hmm. And it felt like everything that you said put words to what I was feeling. And Aww. I just looked and I was like, oh, my God, like, how is this? Like, how is this possible? And I and I did feel like I was um, destined to be there. And it like, felt very heavy handedly destined. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to be sitting next to you in that moment and then you talking about rap shit at the same time and the show hadn't come out and I also had a lot of like anxiety about the show and didn't know how it was going to be received. I had been seeing like shade room comments just off the like teaser in the trailer mm. and people being like, what is this? And like, we didn't ask for this. And this looked like a knockoff City Girls biopic. Oh, wow. <laughs> comments let me tell you something if you, if you have feelings do not Bitches. go into the shade room comments and this is the thing and i'm like i'll be in the shade room comments like i love the blog <laughs> so it's 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 a really interesting switch to go from being i don't make comments myself but like i enjoy them mm -hmm. you know we like a little bit of mess we mm -hmm. do but it's like being feeling like you're a part of that to then being on the other end of it exactly i was i wasn't ready for it so there was a lot of that that was happening um, and so then you speaking to how I felt in my life emotionally, mentally, all of that and the transitions like we've talked about. And then also like, I'm so excited for rap shit. That also felt like another thing I needed to hear. That was like, a heavy handed sign. Yeah. I was like, wow. OK, so there are people out here who don't necessarily know me because mm -hmm. you know what I mean? If your friends are like, well, I'm so excited for your show. It's just like you're my friend. Obviously, so like, yeah. you know, like, thank you, bitch. you have to say that. Yes, um, you're excited to see me just do something with my life, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, yeah, it it gave me so much in that moment. And then didn't you make the um, the sangria? Yes. So let me tell you about my bartending skills. Uh, I made some jungle 
sangria. That's all I needed. It was a one. It was like one, two, three punch. Wait, like, I didn't realize that that the first two minutes of us meeting each other, mm-hmm. you got the entirety of who I am as a person in those two minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get excited about shit that my friends are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna make some ridiculous drinks and or soft drugs. Mm-hmm. Y'all know I like to give out edibles all the time. I talk about this freely, smarty and snows. Yeah. And I'm gonna say something randomly deep because I'm constantly being introspective, right? Yeah. But what's interesting is the line that I said to you. That your eyes lit up. And I remember the exact moment. It actually, funny enough, I realized later it was a line that I had written um, my first podcast script about. And it was sometimes when you think things are falling apart, they're falling into place. Mm-hmm. And the minute I said that, you, you were like, huh? and I was like, and I looked at you, it was like literally like, you too, friend? And the rapture thing, I really was sincerely excited. And I didn't know you from a can of paint. So I'm getting ready to like, Amy, this is amazing. And when she told me it was your show and the look on your face, I was like, I think sometimes you need to recognize that people outside of who you know actually give a damn about what you're doing. And here's the thing, small flex for my friend. You guys know that this show is an excuse for me to give my friend their flowers in a way where they can't run away from me. (laughs) Um, Before rap shit, you were also spent several years working on Insecure. Mm -hmm. So you knew what it was like to be working on a show that that the whole black Twitter, and black Twitter is a force of nature, is going to be sitting there and talking about what did it feel like already coming from something that was so heavily debated, talked about Team Lawrence, Team Issa, all like Insecure was picked apart every night in real time, live. As a creative, did you find comfort in that or did it freak you out? Um, no, it was exciting. Really? Yeah, like we looked forward to those Sunday nights. Like oh, all that. of us, all of the writers to like seeing what people were saying and showing each other the tweets and sending each other the tweets and like yeah, we we read oh. the comments. We read almost all y'all hear of that? the comments. For all y'all who be talking big shit and y'all think that, oh, nobody's ever going to see it. No, like, they're too it. busy. Y'all really, really <laughs> watched them. Re- really. Did it ever impact the storylines? No. No. So you said, we we cared, but we really didn't care. No, we, it. like, it would be interesting. And even um, when there were things that people took away that we didn't intend. Yeah. It was like, do we want to clear this up? Like... I don't know if I'm even allowed to talk about this, but we're post insecure. Like even the Dro mm-hmm. and um, Candace thing—is he really in an open marriage or is he lying? That was and all of the one. theories around that—it's like no, we say he was in an open marriage. Like we would not try to deceive y'all. That's in amazing. This way. I, you know, I think I think a lot of artists will have a, a song or a story, and then the audiences are taking all types of stuff from it. How does that feel when that happens? When they they add layers that you didn't think of? First of all, I love that people care. That's true. I'm like, you care. You're talking about this. You're spending mental time thinking about and breaking it down. You're some, debating some people. Of the people. Some of the people, I'm like, y'all are creative as fuck. Like, y'all are <laughs> so creative. Y'all should be doing the same shit. Um, and hilarious. So, I mean, it feels good. Like, if some if someone has a take or an opinion that is not what I see or what I think or thought about, yeah, that's fine, too. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I love it. I would lie and be like, yeah, that's exactly what I meant. I'm so deep. Thank you for coming, realizing what I said. I think some people do. <laughs> I sometimes wonder when Jordan Peele sees us debating his movies, if he sees us adding layers he didn't mean and he just lets us think that he's that deep. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, That's I mean, but dope. you know, one thing about it is like sometimes you're creating from a place. This is what I think. I don't know. It's not a fully developed 
thought. Theory. Yes, or theory. But I think sometimes when you're creating from a place that feels real and authentic to you and you're moved and you put something down on paper, you may have had a specific intention, but because you are drawing from your life, there are so many layers that maybe you didn't even hit notice. Yep. And that doesn't mean it doesn't exist in the writing. It just means that you didn't consciously pick up on it. Somebody else is consciously picking up on it mm. and saying it back to you. And so you might be like, damn, I didn't realize I was doing all that. But that doesn't mean you weren't doing it. That's an amazing, you're right. Because subconscious, like, intentions are a thing. I'm always talking about the subconscious, but that's actually a brilliant theory. I actually agree with that. I actually agree with that. Because I think we're conduits when we're creating. Yeah. And you're, it's almost like God is working through you. And people are like, but are you really going to say that it's God when you're just writing? Yes, like, writing, create, like, singing, anything creative that's God coming through you. Now, here's a question for you. Because we've just mentioned rap shit. We've just mentioned Insecure. We've just mentioned the NAACP nomination, which That's is major, crazy. right? All these things sound really big and fancy from the outside. Mm -hmm. But it's always like people are shocked by how regular it feels when you're just inside working and doing what you love and hoping people enjoy it. Like everything feels regular on the inside. I think one of my favorite quotes was from Tiffany Haddish. They said, how does it feel to, to be famous? and rich and she said i feel the same just more tired <laughs> like people think that you're going to change right or even to quote jay-z when they said oh you know how do you change when you become successful he's like i don't i didn't change everybody else changed mm. so i think for me i'm i'm wondering you were behind the scenes a lot with insecure but now you're a showrunner which is a very very high profile position how is it starting to feel for you? I feel like I'm watching you kind of blossom into this when people are starting to notice what you're doing, what a big deal it is to them, mm -hmm. but you're trying to have like honest friendships. Like we met in a very organic way where it was like, I was already excited for the show. I already knew Amy. So it was almost like a, a random kind of pre-vetting that happened with us. We could like go right into being friends. But if you were to meet just a random Joe Schmo on the street, have you discussed with yourself how do you gauge who to trust and who not to trust? Because I'm struggling with this. So this is actually me asking you for advice on camera, friend. Fuck. I mean, <laughs> no, for real. Because It's a really good question. And hmm, people do change. Yeah. And people do treat you differently. And I try to ignore it when I see it, which is probably not good. I'd be trying to ignore it, too. Um, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to ignore that. That was weird. <laughs> and then I was like, can you give but, the audience a sense of what's weird? Because I really want people who are watching to understand that, like, um, we're all the show's called Humanized. We're human beings, regardless of who we work with or who what we're doing. You know what I mean? And I think people need to understand what they're doing that's weird, so they can be more cognizant of it. Yeah, like, um, okay, here's an example. Um. Like when someone projects onto you kind of what they think of you or maybe what they think you think of yourself. I don't know. So mm -hmm. like an example of that is, um, yeah, a big shot. Oh, yeah. You're doing the big thing because you got the because you got the money, huh? Oh, because oh. you're going to do the. Oh, yeah. Well, you you used to this. You produce all this shit, huh? Wow. You just, just, you know, a mm -hmm. lot of that. And it's just like, that's not my inner dialogue. Right. Like, <laughs> what? That is not. That's not how I, I'm just eating breakfast. Like, yeah, I'm not. I, I don't go into a space and like my power isn't in me convincing other people or telling other people or saying what I do or none of that shit. Like, right. so I don't know. Like I've, I've seen it make people weird or, or another thing that I think is uh, not weird. I get it, but sometimes can also be a little annoying is, um, you know, I got a cousin who does makeup. So 
okay. Now I let me let me let me send, let me send you my cousin's information. You know I, I got triggered. a yeah. cousin who does lighting, so let me send you. Da, da, da. And the thing is, is I'm not mad at that because we all need you know we, we need all need an opportunity, yeah. and there aren't a lot of black shows, black spaces, or black people who have who can put people in those positions. So I understand, yeah. but it gets weird if I'm at the family reunion <laughs> and I'm just trying to get seconds my refill of the potato salad you just want some wings, and honey. every third person I talk to is just telling me about how I need to put on some other person but then the thing is too is and then I'm like oh okay well tell me I always I still you know have those conversations because right. I do want to help but I'll be like oh, okay so what are they doing and it's just like oh they're not even really doing that thing and they it's just, just like throw it out. and then it just also makes me feel like another thing I realized I'm like when's the last time you called me <laughs> like when's okay, the last yes. time you checked on me can we talk about that because there have been people in my life who i you you I and hate, I, com- I hate complaining by the way i will say that i don't like to complain i, I really it's think not complaining that... you're humanizing because you're saying that you're a human being who wants to have a, a real experience with people and then you realize in the moment you're not seeing me as a person you're seeing me as an opportunity or just like a symbol of something. Yeah, you don't. You are a symbol. Anybody who's celebrated or a celebrity or a public figure, we we suddenly become symbols. And I I just stop myself from saying we, because I don't think of myself as a public figure in any sort of way. I think of myself as a person. Girl, you making faces. We on your podcast. <laughs> what are we talking about? What, what's we have a platform, yeah. Okay. But that, but see, even that moment, right? Like, I think, and I was talking to Monique about this. She's gonna she's gonna be on the show soon. I think that in my mind, I always see myself as a human being. And if I think of somebody who I think is perfect for something, you see me do it. I'm like, oh my God, my makeup artist, you would love her. Or my friend who does this, you would love it. If I see somebody who I think is a good connector, I like matchmaking. Because of that, in my mind, why would you need to like use me as an opportunity? I would probably offer it anyways. Like, why would you have to use me? And as a night, and you're like that too. I've seen you do that. So I think when you're a generous person, you don't think that you're a mark until you realize oh, you don't see me as your friend, you see me as your boss. Oh, you don't see me as your friend, you see me as the person who knows the celebrity. Oh, you don't see me as your friend, you see me as X, Y, and Z. And there's an inner dialogue of how much of that is reasonable because you do know those people, you do have those connections, but how much of it is like, well, do you really like me or what I do? And that's why I want the audience to think about. Like, I think a lot of times when we watch people, perfect example, and this this just happened two days ago, Somebody went on Twitter and said, I can't believe Tabitha Brown is younger than Tia and Tamara. I saw that. Think about the implications of that sentence. And Tabitha Brown said, uh, excuse me, I'm still fine. Right. I might be an old soul. Thank you for people that. But <laughs> and if you think about it, she, she does not look old. Like she look, she, She's beautiful, right? You would never say that to a person that you know in real life. But in that moment, Tabitha Brown wasn't a person. She was a brand. And people say hurtful yes. things when they don't see you as a person, they see you as a brand. Yes. So now, as far as hot topics, we're going to veer away from the why y'all treating us like this, which is regular people conversation. Because, yeah, because it's like, woe is me, bitch. We don't care. I know. Poor you. <laughs> poor successful you. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's why I would never say anything about it. Like, this is my first time saying anything. I'm like, some, people don't know how to get in. Mm-hmm. And they're inspired. And they don't know what to do. And they don't always know what to say. And it's just But they like, can humanize you, though. So, like, I'm actually happy you said it. Because if someone's like, oh, wait, Serena 
Serena has an opportunity attached to her, but Serena's still a person. Yeah, it's just, just ask me how I'm doing, maybe. Like, just ask me how like, I'm doing. Like, hey, just, friend, like, how are you doing? Just, you know. I even told you, I was like, Serena, I'm so happy that we met as friends and not as colleagues because now you get to see that I just like you as a person. Because so many people, and this is a, a great conversation because, you know, me and Monique, we call ourselves pH balance. I feel mm -hmm. like you're pH balance too. For those who don't know, because we made it up, um, pH balance means you're pure hearted. Is that what it means? <laughs> we're pure hearted bitches. You know what I'm saying? Is that all? Because we're also <laughs> pure hearted. I'm sorry. So we're just drinking as a rum. Okay. You were slipping on that slurpee the whole time I was talking, friend. She's like, yep. So, yeah. So the thing about being pH balance is. Um, I, that's hilarious. The thing about being pH balanced is the reason we came up with that term is there's a anxiety that comes from being a normal, in your mind, decent human in Hollywood. Because you're constantly worried that you're being mistaken for an opportunist or somebody who's big-headed. Mm. And so I, she and I were talking. She was like, yeah, I'm friends with so-and-so, insert name of celebrity. And I, I need to make sure that I give her space because I don't want her to think that I'm just checking her because she just got, you know, like there's this thing of, I don't want to be mistaken for what you just mentioned, the opportunists, the people, whatever. And it gets kind of tricky because you're like, you're constantly worried about the optics, like betraying how you actually feel because you do love people. You do care about people. So there is some anxiety and you know, a lot of really successful big names, right? Have you ever had a moment where you were with somebody who was super successful? Cause think about it. You work with Issa Rae. Mm -hmm. Half of black, I'm being nice. 98% of black Twitter if they were friends with Issa Rae, would constantly be thinking about how she can help them and not seeing her as a person. You have known her since the like since the very early stage where you you guys kind of like blew up together. Have there been a moment where you've like been like, let me pause because I know she's probably has a lot of people coming at her from the other di direction. Hmm. Or do you just so used to everybody that you just talk to them like, hey girl, what's up? No, I really feel like, hey girl. I love that. Yeah, I really feel like, hey, girl, you know, and I think it it helps that we've known each other for a long time. But I also think we have a lot in common and we think in very similar ways. Capricorn, guys. Yeah, the we're both Capricorn. We're not just both Capricorns. We're both Taurus rising. So like we are very wow. similar. OK, Um, we have very similar sense of humor. Like, you know, it, it works. You for are an awkward black girl. Like there've been so many times where I've seen, I was like, oh, my God, you are very much the. I see why you guys. I will together. say there was one moment. So we um, we started working together before Insecure, um, and then when she got Insecure, I came to work on that show, a season one, as an assistant. And that was when I was like, oh, I don't know what this dynamic, if it's going to be the same. Because prior to this, we produced a project together. Mm. Like, we've been friends. We've done dinners and drinks and stuff like that. Now, I'm an assistant in her room on her show. Mm. And so I was like, D do, you know, maybe I should change how I interact with her at work. So, you know, there's... So you didn't experience that at first, you're saying. So you, but over time, it stopped. At first, I was just trying to fill it out and mm -hmm. then also trying to realize that this is... But the thing about it is it was new for her, too. You know, being in that space and um, having her own show was like a brand new experience for her. So it didn't... And Issa's just such a great down-to-earth person. Like, she doesn't get in her head about all that shit. Yeah. So it was a really easy transition. I honestly... I understand that it's probably hard to know how to interact with certain people. And some people do change That's when true. they get power, influence, money, when they get around certain people. Everybody is not pH balanced, like you said. That's true. Um, and I bitches. have been so blessed that the people who I'm around are. And so I feel like I've been shielded from some of those experiences. And like... Um, 
I'm still meeting people. I'm still like making my way in the industry. I making my way down. I don't know. I just I I don't want to be around no weird shit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just don't. What's the, what's the, we don't like funny shit. We don't want to be around any funny shit. I don't. And I, the thing is, is I'm not, and I'm not going to adjust how I approach a person or a situation because other people are being weird. I, I would much rather remove myself and just go do the work. Okay. So this is where I have to thank you because as you're talking, I'm realizing that you're talking from a place of like being healed in that sense with mm. how you see certain things because you felt your way through and you got to the other side. I think because I am new to LA. I've only, I only got here the year before the pandemic, which to me means a year because the pandemic shut everything down. Yeah. And we're not going to say names on here because um, the way my legal team that doesn't exist mm-hmm. uh, is working out is I don't, I'm not trying to get sued on the show. But you know from off-camera conversations about how I became very close to a very big name and did the Hey Girl thing. And did not realize that they had gotten big-headed in Hollywood. And it broke my heart that, like, it caused a rift in the friendship. Listening to you, I'm realizing that's probably why I I, I get a little bit standoffish. Because mm-hmm. I think a part of me is scared of being regular with the first person who I think is my friend. And then realizing that they're being Hollywood with me. Because it broke my heart. You know what it I is? I miss my friend. I understand. And... Sometimes people will come back around. I don't know, but look, this is the this is the thing. Maybe. As we're talking about this, it reminds me of high school. This Hollywood just is high, like school. high school to me. That's the name of the episode, guys. Hollywood is high school. But continue. And I dealt with a lot of shit in high school. Mm. I feel like I went through all my like all my girlfriend mean girl trauma in high school and why don't they like me and why did they misinterpret what I was saying and I was being so nice to them why are they bullying me why did she put sugar in my gas tank oh wait 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 okay <laughs> she's not, <laughs> not responsible for any of the confessions that made hey I didn't do it I didn't do it allegedly continue I'm just saying I was like ugh. I, I dealt with a lot of like weird group dynamics back then that why now, do you think that was because that sounds like a like a netflix tv series version of high school like pretty little liars or something like that's a lot i don't know girl it was just the times y'all were just out here you know when you went to high school in california didn't you yes i'm from la see that's why like i feel like everything is is, is ex- exaggerated I've seen, a, I've seen a lot of shit <laughs> mother has lived with three no yeah so um and after i left high school I was like, oh, yeah, not not again. Like, I have to protect myself. Got I protect it. myself. So I have that coming into Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, mm. I peep funny shit. And I'm like, nope. You're from here. Wait a minute. I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my God. No, this is probably like, Serena's so wise. How does she get so comfortable? You're from here. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. I'm sure. Because you don't have, I don't have to, like. Boston, Massachusetts was not preparing me for Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, that's one thing. I, <laughs> it we, makes things different. It makes a huge. We were talking about it um, when we were doing our makeup earlier. We were talking about how the fact of I have so many friends who are LA natives, and I was like, "Why do the natives like me so much?" And I was like, "I think it's because I'm so naive." They're like, "Oh, she really is not trying to." Aww. No, you know I'm a little Forrest Gump. I tell people all the time, like I come off. We wa- see a lot of people. We see it, and I'm gonna keep saying weird. Weird is the word of the day. Like weirdos. I, we see a lot of weird shit. Yeah, y'all do. And like transplants come here. No offense, sorry. But I'm going to talk my shit just mm-hmm. a little bit. Trans- transplants come here with so many ideas and so much ego. And like, yeah. it's like you were the shit wherever you came from. And then you came here with an idea of how you should navigate. I'm from Iowa. Like, I'm trying to make it. And my new name is D- Delicious. You're a grown man. Nobody's calling you Delicious. 
but then they come here and they have these like, ah, oh, LA is this and LA is that. And it's just like, who, who are your friends? Like, who are you hanging out with? You're hanging out with a bunch of other people who moved here to try to prove themselves yep. and can't put that shit down. Like every moment of the day, you're proving something. Mm-hmm. God. I'm too lazy for that. I don't even think it's my character strong. I think I'm just lazy. Like a lot of things that I do that are nice is because I don't, I don't have the energy. People who lie all the time, I'm always like, how do you keep up with all those stories? That sounds exhausting to me. So we just talked about how transplants are weird. Y'all heard that first. I'm sorry. I'm just joking. That's not what I mean. We've had so many people who've come on the show and said that, so I'm just making a joke now because okay. everybody agrees. <laughs> the transplants have a lot to prove. And I'm I saying that as a transplant. I say this too. What? Other than you, first of all, I haven't met a lot of new people recently, but I haven't met a lot of transplants lately. I just remember when I first stepped my foot in the in Hollywood's door. I was like meeting a lot of transplants and I was like, oh, y'all got a lot of uh, strong opinions. But yep. I lately, you know, who knows? Maybe. No, I can tell you from lately. I've met a lot lately. <laughs> uh, I've met a lot of transplants. And think about it, the show that I moved to L.A. to do. I think only one of us was from here and the rest, the whole cast was a bunch of transplants. And what I noticed from being in that space. And, and I think this is where me just being a naive person helped me out. They all came and re- completely rebranded as new people. Like they they showed up as somebody. They were somebody on Monday on the plane. By Tuesday when they landed, they were somebody else. And you, I was watching people like kind of create this mystique around themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like rather than getting therapy, you're just going to create a new persona. It's interesting. Yeah. And so um, I th- I think there's a bit of escapism in LA. People come here to escape who they were before before they got here. Or I mean. Maybe there are some people who come here to be who they actually were and who they didn't feel that's comfortable also fair. enough to be. That's, that's, that's the nicer version of it as well. There are people who are who they really are. But I've seen some folks who are frauds. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to hold you. So what we're hearing is creation can be either you becoming who you are or who you trying to hide and mask who you are. Yeah. I mean, but even as we're talking about it, that's the journey of life sometimes. <laughs> Question mark, exclamation point. It's like, who is me? Oh. <laughs> But here, who is do, I? Do you struggle at all to know who you are, though? Because that's one thing I feel like one of the things that you and I completely resonated on immediately was I decided I wanted to be a writer when I was eight. Mm-hmm. So when and, and my entire life, I think I told you this like a, maybe a month into our friendship. I've been waiting my entire life to make a friend who is this geeked about TV and writing as, as I've been since I was eight. So when you were like, yeah, I wanted to be a writer since I was a little girl watching TV, I was like, oh. <gasps> We friends, like color purple. Like I just want to be in a field of lavender with you doing hand Aww. stuff. And so I was so excited doing hand stuff. Pause. Doing hand stuff. Right. But I was so excited to meet another TV nerd, another person who loved this as much as I have. So that's early. You knew who you wanted to be super early. Yeah. So a part of me cannot relate. And maybe that's why I have some privilege and you have some privilege. We can't relate to folks who are trying to figure out at mm. 30 and 40 because we mm. knew at like 8 and 10. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think. And here's another, like, loose theory. (laughs) But I also think that we usually know. And then it's, like, the world and the people around you who um, are discouraging, you know? And it's, like, "Ah, is it okay for me to want to do this thing? Or what is this thing even called, this thing that I feel like I'm drawn to? And Mm -hmm. no one's really showing me that. And so... It's like it almost sometimes feels like feels like it's a journey back to yourself, like taking off all the shit that people put on you when you're. You know what? That's up. that's actually true too. You're right. I I love first of all you're dropping bars. Mm-hmm. Usually I come on the show and I sound like Confucius. I feel like I can lay back and sip on this Jamaican rum <laughs> as you sit here drop these bars because slurp, you, slurp. when you slurp slurp. You know by the way, we're saying so many. That's what she said. 
This is like a 17-year-old boy watching this like, am I being baited? Slurped. Oh, Slurped. I can't do that. He's 17. Well, you never... <laughs> and there's an 18-year-old boy somewhere in Stockton, California. I like her. No, but the, part that, the part that you said to me that kind of struck me was when you said, sometimes we don't even know what to call the thing that we want to do. Yeah. And for me... I just, this is why I love being your friend because sometimes when you talk, I'm like, oh, I see me clearly as she's talking. Like, there's something about you that I feel is like a great reflection, which is why I think our friendship means so that's much good to friendship. me. That's That's actually a healthy friendship. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I saw Murder She Wrote and saw Angela Lansbury writing stories in books. And then people would be like, oh, we're turning your book into a, a TV show or we're turning your book into a movie. And then she would turn it into whatever. So for 25 years, I thought, you have to write a book first. <laughs> and then someone turns it into a show or a movie. I was 35 before it hit me. Girl, you could just write for TV. It never occurred to me that you could just skip the middle ground of being a novelist and go straight tells to television. You that. Where do you see that? I felt so stupid, girl, when I was like, girl, I, I feel like people I feel like there are people who don't know that now. That's true. That's very, very true. Yeah. Damn, I spent most of my life not knowing what to call what I wanted to do. No, for real, because I mean no one tells you when you're doing career day or like learning how to write a resume, nobody says like you can put TV writing on there. When That's you think true. about writing, you think of like, oh, you're going to write a book or you're going to be a journalist, which mm-hmm. were the things that I thought I was going to do. I was the thing, that, my first two everything. careers before I realized I was doing the wrong thing. I was you a journalist. Doing the wrong I was thing. a journalist for, for ten years because I didn't know. I was like, I'm just trying to get my show done. Do I need to talk listen, about the news? Listen, listen. So I went into PR. Initially, Ooh, I could t- totally see you in PR, and I was like, "Why?" <laughs> you know, I could see you in PR because Why? because there's a, a, a very restrained nature about you that oh, you yeah. need in PR. Mm-hmm. See, you're doing it right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> Exhibit A. There's a very restrained nature. Now, communication is 93 percent nonverbal, and your face be telling on you all the time. Yeah, so you could not play poker, but PR. Mm-mm. I could see you swallowing a, an fu and saying, "Well, I'm sorry you feel that way. We'll get back to you." <laughs> yes, we're we're working on it. <laughs> but no, for real. Like there, and there was a certain point where I was doing PR and I had gone like all the way into it. It was right before Issa said, "Hey, insecure got picked up." <laughs> right before, nice. And I was like, you know what? I just wrote a really great email. <laughs> Ooh, what a nicely worded email. Right, I, I, like, email. I was like, you know what? This is where I'll just, you know, get my, this is where I'm going to get my writing off. Yeah. And then I'll write my little poetry or my little short stories or whatever on the side, but it're fine. Oh, like, you're the one spoken word. Uh, sister, I never sister, performed anything. I want to see your essence on the cover of essence. You want one of those? No, I had the, I had ratchet ass poetry. No, oh, it's not. Oh, uh, someone said ratchet. So we're going to do a pause right now because it was getting deep for a second. I want to do a quick moment to talk about the respectability politics around the work that I think you do and also some of the work that I do as well, right? Mm. You're doing a show called Rap Shit. Yes. The many people here, but I remember when Amy was on the show, I said, Amy, what's Rap Shit about? And Amy just being so clever was like, when you think of Rap Shit, what do you think of? Such a good answer. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think of bamboo earrings. And I just, I immediately started like posturing like I was MC Light or some shit. Mm-hmm. She's like, whatever you think of rap, rap Shit, when you think of that, that's what it is. That's sexy. I, I was like, bitch. I was like, Amy. That's why I was so excited about the show when you met me. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's Rap Shit. Everything's Rap Shit. Bamboo earrings are Rap Shit. And then when I think about conversations that we've had about the reception to it, Everybody that I know loves the show, but you're doing a show 
about the very kind of women that male podcasters lose their minds about mm. because they're sex positive. They don't give a fuck. They, they're chasing their money. They're being unapologetically them. Have you ever feel felt conflicted about the subject matter given it's the exact thing that most of social media is ba- made to debate about? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, That's not an exciting fuck. answer. No, I really don't give a fuck. And I, um, I'm like, there was a one moment where I paused and I think there was a, I got a question about why there were sex workers in so many episodes um, during the press tour for season one. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? So many sex workers. Um, yeah, I was, I hadn't even thought of it that way because I'm thinking of them as women and right. as, as characters. Um, and, you know, then I answered that question and I said, why not? Uh, <laughs> and talked about sex work as a job, just like any other job. And these are women. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking of them as women first and not what they do. And, you know, and also why not? <laughs> like, why not? Uh, sex literally. workers? Yeah. When I watch I mean, rap between... shit, it never occurred to me that I was watching a bunch of sex workers, though. That's an I, interesting Same. Lens. Same. So, yeah, it was interesting to me to get that question. And that got my wheels turning. And then I think I saw, like, a couple comments about, like, the sex scenes. And I was just like, damn. And for a second, I'm like, if I had to be known for this show and known for that, this thing that they are critiquing, how do I feel about it then? Mm. Because as I'm writing it, I'm not thinking about the audience. I'm thinking of what I enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, what feels good to me, Them what feels right things, to me. If you haven't watched Rap Shit, I highly suggest that you watch it and be prepared to see some sex scenes that feel like you're watching real sex scenes. Like, you guys did not fake it. <laughs> it was not... So- it was not cheesy it felt like y'all be like people in the scenes they, they be fucking in real life yeah it was it was good I yeah liked just it. not on camera y'all know i'm nasty i enjoyed it i mean because the thing is it was is, grown we're women and like those of us who have sex lives like we have sex lives mm-hmm. and so if we're making a real show and we're trying to make this feel realistic then like I don't know why we would shy away from that. But so, yeah, I, I sat in that for, I gave myself a good two days. Oh, wow. To so think you really about, sat in it. No, I did. I really sat in it because, um, again, I'm new, I'm new to being critiqued like that. So mm. um, I was like, if this is if this is what people wrote about me when I was dead, that she did that show where she, you know, rap shit. She put shit in the title and there were girls fucking on the show. Like, how would I feel? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? It's not anything that I don't believe in. Mm. I believe in everything that I put on that show. And I told you this before. And I'm not going to get too much into Again, it's so interesting when I'm talking to one of my good friends because then I have to be like, damn, what, that was a good part of the conversation. What parts do I bring to the show? Mm. I told you in the car, and I think I told you previously, you're probably one of the most, even though you seem very chill and you're sipping on your, your rum punch very daintily, you're probably <laughs> one of the most sexually powerful women that I know. Mm. because in the sense of no the way that you own your womanhood like you're very Mm. powerful in that sense and it's it's almost stunning to see someone who comes off so chill like with with, in vacation you put on a dress and i could tell how beautiful you felt it was like it was immediately obvious and there was something very empowering and almost like inspirational about that i'm not used to being inspired y'all no shade no tea Mm. a lot of y'all basic no shade no tea (laughs) (laughs) but like i saw you come out the room and i was like yo she feels beautiful and it, I, I love that feeling. I, I almost teared up. I was so happy for you because I think so many women are told that even if you know you a bad bitch, even if you know you cute, even if you know your sex is good, even if you know you got that guap guap 3000, whatever it is, you're supposed to pretend like you don't. And I love when I watch women not pretending. 
you're a wife and a mother and all these things. How are you able to like still tap into that? Because I have so many friends who they lose it. They let life make them. I've let, I don't even have a husband and kids and I've let people make me lose it. How do you still hold on to that? Um, first of all, it's in us. And that, and this also goes back to the thing we were saying before of like who you are when you get here in your essence and your freest self and then who the world tells you you should be mm-hmm. and the stripping away that happens because of those expectations. Um, and I've experienced that too, you know, where it's like, well, first of all, it's like, <laughs> Where where I need to be sexually powerful at? I need to make these. I need to print these copies. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm. Trying, I gotta go to work. I can't be sexually like, powerful. Um, you know, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. But that feminine like essence and energy. Um, it's it, it is our creativity, right? It is. It's like. It's that Mars energy. If y'all can move my titties out more, it's because Serena and I are friends now and she's inspired me. It's the drive. It's the drive to get shit done. Like, we are creative as women and, like, we create in every way imaginable. Remember called Yoni Yoni magic? Yeah. Yeah, And it's like when you shut off those parts of yourself, you shut off other parts of yourself as well. Sex and creativity are definitely tied together. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm trying to, you know, I want to get it done. Like, all the stuff that God put inside of me, the, the stories, the capabilities, the, all of that stuff I want to tell those I want to tell those stories I want to take advantage of the platform I have the opportunities I have the things that keep me up at night like I'm writing that stuff you know I really want to make the most of my life here and it's like where are we going <laughs> like, and, and Serena the, you actually have a platform where you, you're able to like there's so much power in the position that you currently have and it's like I can't afford to be disconnected from myself in any way that's true now, this is the part where I'm going to get have fun talking about, because we talked about identity. We talked about uh, the politics of Hollywood. We talked about maintaining friendships. I want to very quickly talk about mental health, because mm. the rum is hitting me right, so I feel like we can talk about something heavy without okay. me feeling heavy. B. Simone last year, and shout out to her, because she's an amazing person, and we have lots of mutual friends who only speak highly of her, regardless of what social media says. She shared that she was having this manifestation challenge when she was 29 Mm. that she wanted to make her first million by 29 on her 30th birthday. This is the power of manifestation. She, she had a million dollars. She became a millionaire on on her 30th birthday. So she made her first million in 30 years. She made her second million within 30 days. And she said that was probably the most depressed she was that year Mm. because everything that was coming at her, the money, the money won't make you happy. right? Right. And then I saw a study recently about black women. I'm going to read this, guys. It was by the Nursing Research Journal, because you guys know that I be speaking facts, but y'all be thinking I'm making it up till you Google me. Uh, the black uh, women have depression study. And it said that when black women are depressed, they're too high functioning to show typical symptoms. Instead, they just become super critical, don't sleep enough, and are irritable with the people around them. Wow. So the angry black woman archetype is actually just depressed women who don't feel supported damn right damn i saw that headline and i hadn't clicked on it so i'm happy that you yeah. read it for me. that's wow all these angry quote unquote angry black women that's are high functioning depressed and you know how sad. you and i have had many teary-eyed conversations so about sad. what it's like to be a high functioning person when it's like i look normal but it's not normal help me you know what i mean what are your thoughts around the idea of during the time where we're statistically speaking the most educated group in the country? That's a fact. Look it up. We are clearly high functioning depressed. 
<sighs> right. That's why I waited till this part because the rum had kicked in. How do you deal with that? Because I don't think any black woman I know would read that and say that I'm exempt. Because I feel like we've all dealt with, I have everything I said I wanted. Why do I feel so sad? Everything I said I wanted, why do I feel so overwhelmed? Everything I said I wanted, why do I feel like I'm not as happy as I thought I would be? Yeah. Where are you right now? Because I'm asking you to have answers. I'm asking you to maybe just share where you are on that journey because it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. Where are you in the journey of mental health juxtaposed against ambition and success? Um. So, where am I on my mental health journey? I mean, I have my moments, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like on this journey, I'm in, I'm in therapy now. I'm journaling, that. you know? I journal every morning. I make sure I, I create space for myself every to morning? give back to myself. Mm -hmm. With two kids in, in a show. I wake up before them. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to learn some tips from you, friend. Continue. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I try to make sure that I create space for myself. I give back to myself. I have good friends in my life. All of those things are really helpful. And I realized that one thing that I wasn't doing before that I do now is asking for support mm. and sharing what I'm going through. Because I think sometimes when you are people, who, you are someone who people are depending on, you don't share like what's on your plate. And even sometimes when I share what's on my plate, people don't fully understand, yeah. you know, but just sharing what's on my plate and sharing how I feel and not thinking that I have to keep all of that to myself has made a really big difference because I see people consider me because what would make me resentful on top of my sadness was no one's considering me. Mm. Why aren't people making space for me or pausing for me? Or why are you trying to add more onto my plate? Or like, damn, no one's giving me a hug or whatever. And it's just like, did you tell them? Like, hug? Yeah. yeah. Did you ask? Did you say anything about it? And it's just like, oh, no, I haven't. I haven't. And then sometimes if you're not used to talking about what you're going through or what you need, then you may have to say it more than a few times before people start to really listen yeah, because they're not used to you needing anything you know and it's not personal like we had a friend yeah. on the show last week who said if people really realize how little other people are thinking about you they're thinking about themselves we're all thinking about ourselves not realizing that everybody else is thinking about themselves and so mm -hmm. unless you say something folks no. are, are not malicious no. they're just being human beings yeah and and just it goes back to that you teach people how to treat you yep. that works in so many different contexts right because when it comes to even my siblings, my mom, like, even my kids, you know what oh, I mean? It's just kids like. kids are so freaking adorable. They're like Disney Love characters. them. Love oh. them. But I'm to the point where I'm just like, hey, mommy's tired. Oh. Do, do you know what mommy's day consisted of? I want to hear about your day and then I'm going to tell you about mine too. You know what? <laughs> like, and you're raising sons. And considering we're, we're now, again, more stats, guys, uh, we're, we're going through what they're calling a black men's mental health um, epidemic. They're the fastest growing suicidal group in the country it's, right now. It's scary. Yeah. Like your boys watching you be emotionally intelligent enough to talk through your feelings with them may actually no shade, no tea, save their lives later. Because that's how emotional intelligence is, is, is fostered in our kids. Because if your parents never talk about their feelings, you have no reason to talk about your feelings. Yeah. And even then, I still feel like... Oh. I don't want to, like, is this the right approach? 
You know, sometimes really? I wonder about that. Yeah, because I'm I feel like our approach to parenting this in this generation of kids is just so different from the mm-hmm. previous generation. And we have all these like therapy words and like, yeah, we're doing a lot of like what they call it. Not mindful parenting. That's gentle parenting. Gentle parenting. That shit. <laughs> like, what are your thoughts on gentle parenting? Because I was like, what that mean? You don't beat them? Like, what does gentle parenting mean? Yeah, it's obviously no spankings and also explaining things to them super patient we take deep breaths together so all the stuff that we used to make fun of white folks for in the 80s right it's like that's that's the approach to parenting and i'm with it but i'm not like i'm with it but i'm not for you because there's a line where it's performative for me Mm. and there's a line where it's actually healthy it's not performative you know i think i don't know be healthy there's there's two different kinds in in my opinion about gentle parenting maybe but it's just like when it's just you and your kid in the house who are you performing for you know what i mean it's just like well shit that's that's a whole different thing i'm not a i'm not a, a social media mom like i don't yeah. share my kids like that yeah but i try to do the gentle thing but also i'm like these kids got so much like there are moments where i'm just like yo the play dates your schedule the school you're in all the extracurriculars like all of this stuff like we do so much for these children in a way that like we didn't have none of that shit. And I remember right. reading recently, like, kids need to be bored. Like, that's when you discover yourself. Like, that's when you discover, like, new creative inventions or whatever is when you sit, when you're sitting there, you don't have anything to do. But they have these jam-packed schedules and, like, I don't know. Like, you you make it, you planned your own play day? Like, my mama never, you know wow. what I mean? I'm just yeah, like, what? I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm a little old school. I, I don't want to be... I also feel like these kids don't have no fear. Like, they are... <laughs> And I don't know anything about parenting, so I could get dragged. It, it I mean, a, I know parenting from my own. It a little bit, though. What you're, what you're outlining feels they like we're are, creating a little bit of entitlement. I, f- I feel like it, and I feel like they are going to be sort of out of touch with the real world. Um, that's my fear. That is my fear. And I remember saying it's to already a group of moms that I, I was hanging out with, and I was just like, you know, I'm like, we never... You remember when you were a kid? I don't know if you can relate to this. Like going to your grandma's house and having to be at your grandma's house, and it's just like her TV don't really have yep. channels, and, then and her house one, smells one bad, or something like that. And there's yeah. literally nothing for you to do over there, but you just kind of have to sit there for the day. You have to eat whatever she put in front of you, and like there's value in that experience. Absolutely, you learn how to nav to adjust to different environments. When you walk into a space, it's not going to be curated for you, and you also you know learn how I mean? to how to like be okay with your own company without distraction. Yes. That's my biggest fear is that kids can't be alone. And learn to sit down and have a conversation. You know, I learned so much from having, my dad used to um, work on houses and he would like paint and build and stuff and he had a lot of older clients and I used to, um, I used to go to work with him and so there's so many times where I'd be sitting in a house while he's working on it and I'm sitting inside with the the woman who owns the house and she's 80 years old and she made me tea and she's ta- and I'm 10, 11 years old and I'm just sitting with her and we're talking. Mm. And I so much wisdom. Yeah. That's you know beautiful. what I mean? And I'm but I'm like these kids are never uncomfortable. The, can we discuss that like this is a superiority complex that we're creating in our kids that makes me nervous because I feel like Whenever I'm talking to somebody who's under the age of 25, but over the age of 18. So I'm talking to an adult, but like a baby adult, like a starter mm-hmm. adult. I'm always taken by how quick, how much they're waiting to assert their dominance. 
during what could just be a regular conversation. Mm. They, they're waiting for a reason to call you problematic. They're waiting for a reason to outwoke you. They're waiting for a reason to pontificate. Like there's all this posturing, which is why I call it performative to, to some degree, mm. that happens. I'm like, or we could just like chill out and have a regular conversation. But I think because social media is 24-7 and constantly creating content, and content is a performance. Yeah. I think we're creating kids who do not know how to be organically themselves without pandering to a narrative. I think narratives have now become a, the drug of choice. That's interesting. I mean, for that, I'm, and do you mean like teenagers? I know. I mean young adults because I, I recently mm, had, mm-hmm. first of all, you guys know that I mentioned on the show I'm pansexual, I'm Afro-Cuban, so I'm an immigrant, um, I'm neurodivergent. Like everything that's on the list of things that I could use as an excuse I unintentionally have checked off too many of the goddamn woke boxes, right? But I was also raised in the 80s where none of that shit mattered. Like, figure the fuck out, right? So for me, when I am talking to people, I'm coming through the lens of all the lens that a, a woke gen... What gender are we on? Alpha? Z? What letter are we on right now? Girl, don't I don't even know. What, whatever the, the young ones are. I technically have the mindset that would make me be able to connect with them, but I, I, I don't weaponize that stuff. I still have a regular conversation. Mm. Yesterday, I got into a debate with somebody very briefly who called me homophobic. Oh, why? Because Rockman Dunbar, the actor, said, hey, I'm 50 years old, and I'm proud that in the 30 years that I've been in this industry, I haven't had to sell my booty hole or anything to <laughs> <laughs> to to be... They said sell my booty hole? He said he said, he said said booty hole or asshole. Okay. It was bleeding. It was it was bleeped out, so I'm trying to figure out what letters were it still remaining. It was probably booty hole. It was probably booty hole. And so he was saying 30 years in this industry, and I didn't have to, you know, lay it low and spread it wide to, to be, be relevant. Bend it over, bust it wide. Hey, sorry. Our ratchet came out. Okay. And I, all I wrote was... You know, like all jokes aside, it's a valid point because yeah. I have a lot of male friends who are straight who tell me all the time about how in L.A. they get proposition as much as women do. Okay. A lot. And you you and I know, you know all these men that I'm talking about. Do I? Proposition, they mean they, they did it, girl. It just means they were proposition. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <point? laughs> <laughs> and so I have so many male friends who sat with me and be like, blue. I, I have gay friends. I'm an LGBTQ advocate. Some of them I count as my brothers. But when I go into a room and they know I'm straight and they met my girl, and when you tell me if I, you know, give you some bussy, I can get this role, like, is that not Still sexual harassment? Today? Yes. Damn, we didn't learn nothing. Right. So I'm, and so when I wrote that, I was, I was writing it from the lens of mm. being a sexual predator doesn't, doesn't have an orientation. You can be just because you're gay doesn't mean you're not. A, you, can, you can't be a predator. Right. And when I wrote that, he was like, oh, my God, y'all so homophobic. Like, and went on a rant against me. And I said, am I homophobic for thinking that you guys should listen to victims? Men can be victims, too. Right. It's not homophobic to say that it's wrong for anybody, any sexual orientation, to try to weaponize mm-hmm. sex for a role. Like, that's universally right. wrong. your power. But here's the thing, though. Because that person is used to, whenever they see somebody agreeing with a straight man, they assume that it's a Bible-thumping straight woman. Mm-hmm. And so there was a canned response. That was already read to go. That was probably copy and pasted from their notes that was sent to me, right? To me, that's somebody who's a slave to a narrative. Because if you had just clicked on my bio, you would have like, this is not that's Right. People all the time when I'm talking to them who are younger, a lot of times they'll have this moment of they're upset. And rather than having a conversation with me to figure out where we both stand, they basically are copying and pasting an argument they've been making on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook all day long. Not Facebook because they're young. <laughs> TikTok and Instagram all day long, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes this thing of they create these archetypes. I'm young and woke and she's older, so she must be a funny like that's not how human communication happens. So I do think there are people in this world, younger ones in particular, who because they're used to always soapboxing on social media, they don't know how to learn people before they assume who they're talking to. 
They assume that if you're not young, you must be somebody that they can school about what's woke. And I'm like, before y'all had woke, I was here during the 90s conscience era. Like, this is not new. We're just repackaging the 90s. Mm. And so for me, I'm worried about having a bunch of self-righteous, entitled kids who all think they have 17 different disorders that they found on WebMD. <laughs> Let's talk about it. It's called humanized. Everybody, Everybody's diagnosed a, a something, right? And so I want everybody to stop figuring out ways to weaponize their pains to be superior. Mm. Like, do you really want to get free or do you just want your turn at finding a sexy way to be superior? Damn. And that's why I love the idea that you're a mother who thinks that gentle parenting to some degree is great because I do think there's an evolution mm -hmm. in that. But you're going to call bullshit if your kid is acting smug because they have 100,000 followers who like their TikTok content. We need more parents like that. We need more hybrid parents who are going to be woke yeah. but still call bullshit. I think that hybrid shit, I think... <laughs> the hybrid shit. I think that hybrid <laughs> shit is valuable. <laughs> like, the hybrid is valuable. <laughs> no, for real. Because I'm like, every now and then I got to pull out my, like, black mama. Yes. she. We still need black mamas. We still need black mamas. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we need that. That, like... Cheryl Lee Ralph, the kids are, are gagging. They love her. We're like, that's called a black mama, y'all. Yeah. Y'all so used to, like, wow. getting away with shit wow. that when Cheryl Lee Ralph wow. talks, you're like... <gasps> revolutionary is it yeah, we were, yeah she's what we used to have and so yes evolution is good but let's not yeah. lose the good shit yeah the the respect yes is still still get you far <laughs> you know you still gotta have some respect mm -hmm. you still you know there's a place for shame i know it's like anti-shame anti-shame don't shame don't mm -hmm. shame don't shame and i agree with that we should not you know shame don't let shame drive you but if you and I'm not talking about my kids necessarily, but if you're doing some shit, do something shitty. You should maybe feel shitty if you, about doing something shitty. If you stink, if you stink every day and you just refuse to take a shower because some of these kids, you know what I'm saying? It's just like and somebody <laughs> says, smell. I'm just so saying, no, just some children. It's like when you step out, when you step out in public, what, what would shit? happen? What would happen when you were if when you were in elementary school? I'm gonna be like you stink when it was take... time for you to learn to put on deodorant. Somebody told you. Somebody yeah. said, uh uh, you smell. Uh uh, go back in the house. Go back in there. Mm -hmm. Take another dip. The more you talk like Put a mama, the... your, your, your accent's coming out more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you know what I mean? And yeah. you need that. You need somebody to be like, ooh, what was that? Who that smelling it's like a, that? It's a sour and, then you, and then you learn. Like, there is a place for shame. <laughs> I think we've removed all of it. We don't want to say nothing to nobody. We don't want to offend nobody and all that. And I'm just like, uh-uh, let me see. Let me smell your armpits. Did you wash there? Okay, no, get back in there. Like, we're not, we not doing this. We're not going to debate about it. There's no gentleness about this. You yeah. think. Like, get in the shower. Like, yeah. I just, you know, I don't know. I do think, like you said, there's there's some, a hybrid. There's a hybrid. There's a hybrid. Because the, the balance is in the middle, right? Because I don't beat my child. Too far, too left. Too far, too right. I think it's too far. But I don't the beat middle. my child, but also I'm were, your mama. Were you ever spanked at all as a child? Or do you feel comfortable answering yeah, that question? Yeah, I was spanked. They tried to spank me. That shit didn't work. So for me... I, I just spanked one time it didn't work. I just learned. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that, that's the, the thing about spanking. It's yeah. like, all right, I don't want to get spanked anymore. So what was the thing? What was the trigger? What did I do to do that? What did I do? Okay, yeah. when I did that... All right, I'm not gonna do that no more. Like, yeah, I remember I, the last spanking yeah. I got. I felt too old. Damn, I was like, I'm too old to be making these mistakes. <laughs> I don't want this to happen to me no more. I think. Well, funny that my mother wasn't the one who tried to spank me. It wasn't even my mother or my father because usually you think of parents. It was my uncle. Mm. My uncle was like, she thinks she's smart because I was one of those weird kids okay. who read too much, mm -mm. and I had been going. I had said something to him that was actually factually accurate. I'm not gonna say it here because he's, he's still alive. It's gonna hurt his feelings. He's not the best. He wasn't the best husband at the time. Oh man! And he had said something to me about like like trying to tell me about myself. 
May and I ask I, how old you were? About eight. Okay. He said something to try to tell me about myself. I was I was a weird kid who I was like your kid. You know how I told you your your kid is a recycled soul. Like your kid's been here several times before. Uh, Lennox. Very much. Mm-hmm. We call, I call him Pops for that reason. Like yeah. her baby's adorable, but he's been here before <laughs> <laughs> several times. It's like his third or fourth time. Yeah. I was one of those kids who'd been there before. So Lennox there was like a, is a whole other story. I don't know what we're gonna do. We're gonna have to talk about that in the future. We 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 are because because I know what it's like to have to be an, an, an elder as a child. <laughs> <laughs> so now that I see you with him, I'm like, oh, we're gonna talk as he gets older. So my my family was used to me acting much older than my age because I just just knew too much. He said something flipping to me when I knew he had just cheated on his wife and she was crying all No, week. you didn't. I, let, me, let, me get, let me try to get my story. I'm sorry because you telling me you told me you was eight. So I was okay, eight. Go ahead. Okay. What you know, okay, go ahead. Because I was, like, first of all. What you know about somebody cheating? Well, first of all, I used to get in trouble because I would get, I would channel because people didn't know I was a little psychic. That's so right. I was channeling the adults and they didn't know I was doing it. I told you there was one time my mother's friend was like posturing and talking about her husband. And I was like, why are you pretending you're happy when you're sad? And she was like, what? I was like, you're talking about your husband, but isn't he leaving you? My, I, the lady started freaking out. Lots of screaming and Creole happened. They brought me to the other room. My mother said, just stay here. And the lady <laughs> said, you got to tell that. You got to spank her. She told my mother to spank me. Girl, why? Right. A week later, they announced her divorce. And I came out like, y'all want to apologize? Because she probably went home like, <laughs> She probably went home because she was probably holding it together. But she was posturing. And you like. You know what it is? She was trying to make my mother feel bad because my dad had just left. Ah. Uh. So my thing is, don't be talking shit to my mom yeah, about nah, my, my dad it. leaving when you're about to leave. You too, bitch. Sorry, I was I was I was very protective child. Got it. So my mother, who knew that I was a little special, so your mom put you in the room and said, "She's like, baby." She said, <laughs> "I said, mommy, she lying." She's like, "I know, baby. Just okay. It's like, I know, okay. baby. She be lying. I know she be lying. No, we used to talk like that. I know, baby. I know she be so lying. So my mother, my mother never got mad at me. She was like, baby, I, I, she believed me from the beginning. She was like, I understand she's lying, but just I'm like, mom, no, she was talking to you crazy. Just Did she ever come over again? She got a divorce and was embarrassed and never came back into the house. But here's the thing, though, when her kids came over i was like how y'all doing like i was a goon okay so i had a history of don't lie around me i'm a little psychic and y'all be lying about shit when my uncle came to me and said you know x y and z whatever he said to me i knew what he just did to my to his wife i looked at him and said i really think you should be worried about what you, what you got going on and, and and just let me be it was something very chill like that like just let me be he knew what i was referring to Whoop. he snapped Whoop. got something to spank me hmm. And I re- I stood there and refused to cry and made eye contact the entire time. Well, and when he was done, I said, "Do you feel better now?" And he, when I tell you, I felt him sh- his his whole spirit shrink. Did he have kids? Yeah, my cousins who I haven't seen since. Are you serious? My uncle was so scared of me. Damn. Because he was so full of shit, and I think there's something about having a child look straight into you, like, nigga, come on. It, it fucked with his spirit. I don't he, never want that. He was like, your baby's weird. He's like, my mother, she fucking weird. What's wrong with your kid? Like, he dropped he dropped the the switch and left the house. And ever since then, I've been like, where's Uncle so-and-so? Oh, you know, he just, you know. Like, he, he refuses to, to be around me because I've always called bullshit on him. And so what I realized in that moment was, though, it was displaced anger. He wasn't spanking me to discipline me. Of course. He was spanking me because he felt bad. Of course. And, and he was trying to silence me. And that's the issue with spanking sometimes is people be spanking out of like... I just got disrespected by my kid because you did the thing I told you not to do and now I'm angry and I'm like, I'm a... I must assert my dominance. That's, you know? That's different than discipline. Yeah. So I think there... I, I don't... I'm not anti-spanking, funny enough. I think that people who did it for the right reasons and the right ways back in the day to a reasonable degree, it made sense only because if your kid wasn't scared enough of you, outside was going to get them. 
right? Mm-hmm. Back then, that's why spanking became a thing because if you didn't scare your kids into being respectful, master would kill them or master would take them to the outhouse. Like there was really historical trauma around spanking for our community. Mm-hmm. But we're not on the plantation anymore and these kids got Wi-Fi. Yeah. And they have language for things that we didn't even learn about until our third therapy session. Yeah, no thanks. Which is why the hybrid is important. Mm-hmm. So I just want you to know that like, I'm not gonna be spanking my babies. I don't spank my babies, no, but they I, will I get a they will a, they will get a good stern mama voice. I can't spank them no way because I got carpal tunnel. Wait, <laughs> you know what? This is the perfect time to pivot. By the way, for all the parents who are watching this show, I need you guys to understand that we're in the space where we're, we're keeping a buck. I told yeah. you the show was about keeping it real. You seen how many things I've said that I probably shouldn't have said. Shout out to the rum, um, because I want people to recognize that like we're Shout all what's the tagline of the show? We're all just human beings doing human shit, right? Mm-hmm. People would see you and be like, Sarita is working at HBO and doing all this stuff, and her life is so shiny and da 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 da. And at the end of the day, you're a woman who is doing what she's wanted to do since she was a little girl, raising a family and doing her best. Yeah. You're a person. Yeah. Now, I'm wondering, now that you've been on the podcast and our time is about to wrap up, you see how quickly is we Is it? Mm-hmm. We're actually 10 minutes over. What? I know. I told you it was going to go by really, really quickly. The last thing that I You wa- didn't ask me nothing nasty. I, I, I was trying to gauge how comfortable you were. <laughs> now that I know you... What did I tell you was going to happen? Now that I know you're comfortable... Um, I've had, girl, you gotta tell me twice, okay? Especially after all this wrong with Andre. Look, look, I'm inviting you. And right, then, let's see like, what I'm like, saying. Nasty. Now, because you're probably one of the most sexually powerful women I know, without being a hoe. Who you looking at? You was looking around the room. I know some hoes. <laughs> No, I know some hoes. I'm like, There's some hoes in, in this house. house. Well, not this house, but th- I know some okay. hoes. Yeah. And no disrespect to hoes because, you know, hoes are people too. Um, when it comes to sexual awakenings, and we've had conversations around this. Sexual awakenings. And I've changed, you know, I'm choosing my words wisely. We've had a lot of conversations around sexual awakening and coming into your body and figuring out what you like. What, if you had to, without sharing too much, but what you feel comfortable with, what do you think? makes for really amazing mind-bending sex like what are the factors that make you go damn i want to buy you a short set that's an old beyonce reference buy you a short set. <laughs> like what, what oh, yes. <laughs> it's a very old beyonce reference what makes yes. what, because i because i feel like i've been digmatized so many times that the audience is sick of hearing me talk about what I, well i want to hear your answer Okay, I do. Yeah. Okay. I want to hear your answer. Okay, okay. damn. I'm supposed to be the part of. That's fine. I'll, I'll answer back. But what 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 what's a toe curling thing that makes you go, okay? I'm about to toe slide curling. my way out of here like a snail. Oh, out of his house because, or out of this podcast to go get it? Yes. Uh, because you know what, women get what guys. No, this is a very grown podcast. Hit it. What, what 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 makes you go? Wow, this might this might be something that could get me in trouble because I feel like a lot of women are so used to using men as a symbol. Like, oh, look, I got a man, my man, my man, my man. The bedroom is something different. That's not for performing. That's just for you and him, right? Yeah. And we talk about how in long-term relationships, good sex is something that we almost say we don't need good sex anymore. I've been with somebody for so long. Yeah. I don't need good sex. Yeah. You and I have both agreed that that is cap. Oh, full cap. If, if, I'm, if I'm not gushing, then, then somebody needs to go. So, girl, fix your face. It's called humanized. We're human. So, yeah, hit it. No, 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 no. Serena's no, no. list of, 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 of uh, yummy good good. Hit so, it. So, 
for real, it is really about the BDE. Like, you can't be scared. Big dick energy for those like, of you, you who do not have internet. Like, you can't be scared. Like, do, you can't be in your head. Like, honestly, you have to feel like you're that nigga for real. Like, not just posturing. Like, you really Ooh. have to feel like you that nigga. Pull up like you that nigga. You know what I'm saying? Pull up to me like that. <laughs> Y'all, the rum has hit. The rum has hit. No. Um, yeah, no. I think, like... But also, good sex is, like, communication. And I think communication can be sexy. It's funny. Yeah. When people were saying the whole, like, oh, consent is, like, sexy. I was like, y'all corny. But then, <laughs> but then uh, consent is, is necessary. Consent, consent but you know how they try to, like, package it and, like... I like what you said. This is why this, we're about to get to the toxic part. But, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Let me finish. Let no, me no. Finish. But consent is sexy thing. You guys, consent is the only thing that makes it sex. Anything else is assault. So consent is the only thing that makes it yes. sex. Yes. Yes. But so I was reading the other day, like this post about consent that has specific questions on there. Oh. To ask when you're asking for consent, but they were phrased in very sexy ways. And I was like... Oh, Ooh. consent is sexy. What's the, well, you know, I was part of the kink community, and the kink community is 100% about consent because we were doing too much weird shit to assume. But I didn't think it was actually, like, asking those questions during mm -hmm. the act could actually be sexy. Somebody one time asked me, do you like that? And I think my eyes went back in my head. Because I think the way I was imagining it, those conversations... Give an example, like, friend. ...of what was on, what I, I read. example. It was like, can I taste you? you ooh! I think, okay, I love that question. Go ahead. And I was like... Ah. Exactly, but do you but do you see how there's something so confident about feeling like you're allowed to ask that question? But so that's what I was getting to is mm -hmm. the communication. So the BDE, as well as the communication, be fearless. I love this show. Let me know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Inform me, <laughs> like all of the above. Uh, to me, I think that makes the experience like an experience. Are you like me where I I think that men should. Uh, make noises and communicate and oh, show yeah. their pleasure. Yeah, men who are prideful in bed turn me off. Oh no no no! Like we 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 all the way in. I I I I'm not gonna share my business too much, but I dated somebody who did was too prideful to make noises during sex, and it turned me off. As it should. And the sex was good, but I was just like I, anybody here, anybody knock knock, anybody. Mm -mm. Yeah, mm -mm. I mean, because it's just like, are we both here? Right. Are you not? Where are you at? <laughs> I actually saw something online when a guy said that what he would do with his wife. He, they've been together for like 20-something years. Is He would tell her all these nasty things that he was going to do to her first thing in the morning before she went to work. And the whole day just would leave her alone. <laughs> he said it got to the point where she would be like, I'm coming home early. What you doing? <laughs> this, this is a song by Janet Jackson called 24 Play. And I love the idea of foreplay can be 24 hours a day. It doesn't have to be when you have your clothes yeah. off. Um, to answer the question, what I find sexy, I, the, that whole list, please send it to me, friend. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever mm -hmm. that link mm -hmm. is, consent, I, I will support you in helping me find that. Yes, talk to me. Yeah, I think for me, um, what's sexy is there's something about eye contact. Mm. Someone who can give me their full attention. My biggest turn off is someone having their phone while we're on a date or while we're supposed to be having time together. Okay. And Because I remember one time I was, I, I used to think I was shallower than I really am. I thought I was shallow because I thought if I'm not attracted to you immediately, I won't be attracted to you. But I had this guy friend who really liked me. I was flattered by it because I like compliments, guys. I mean, it is what it is. Didn't think I was ever going to talk to him. One day we were hanging out and we were at this uh, sports bar going in. And I said, what time is it? He's like, I don't know. I left my phone in the car. I said, why'd you leave your she phone? Said, I said, why'd you leave your phone in the car? Oh. And he was like, because everything <laughs> that I need to be paying attention to is right here. And he looked me straight in my eyes. But 
just imagine someone saying, fuck my phone. Like, everything that I need is right in front of me. And I was like, what? And I was like, oh, but she's talking about you. And, and did like, you, like, just go to the car? <laughs> <laughs> this day, let's just... They weren't just friends. Let's just go to yeah, the we car. We ended up messing around afterwards, though. I was like, okay. We I'm do... sorry. That was too much. But you, that was but you see how arousing that is, right? It could be something as simple as someone saying that you have my full attention. Fuck everything else. That wasn't even him talking about sex. But I was like, oh, snap. I think I like him back. And I was stunned because if you had asked me an hour ago if, if I would ever liked him, it took me realizing this person is completely giving you their full attention. Another thing that turns me on is consistency. Yeah. Like the idea of... Oh, hold up, hold up, what? hold up. You talking about partner traits. That's what... You're not talking about specific Well, maybe I'm ready to have partner sex, friends, shit. All right. Well, okay, guys. Yeah, um, you playing this thing. We're going to need part two of this. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you other things. Left side of my neck, behind my ear. Is that specific enough? <laughs> Another thing, too, is... <laughs> I when I was younger, this is gonna sound nasty. So anybody who's used to seeing me as only like a cerebral person, turn off this part right now. I used to have this thing where I like slurping noises. Have you been listening to me drink this slurp? <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. My slurpy. Yeah, I used to have a thing where I liked wet noises because I because to me there was a show that we, my roommate and I were watching one time and this girl was trying to describe sex and she was like their sex sounded like fettuccine alfredo that guap 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 and I realized mm -hmm. the sound of actual sex of sex that's lubricated properly. Mm -hmm. was a big turnoff for me. Mm -hmm. I've shit enough. Mm -hmm. Guys, okay, mm -hmm. so here's the thing. The more we drink, the more they're seeing the, uh, our friendship is mine. <laughs> if you guys would like more content, then come back when Sarita comes back on the show. Uh, Sarita, this is the end of the show, and I'm so sad that we have to go. But before we go, Sarita, can you please let everybody know where they can find you? Because I'm sure that there's oh. a million rap shit fans that are going to be watching this, but folks are probably not going to be like, oh, wow. I really Two million. Two million, three million. But folks are going to be like, wow, the show as fun as shit like there can be folks who can be watching the show now with a different lens because they've gotten to know you mm -hmm. which was the intention of this because i love the show but i love you more no disrespect did you bring me on here to humanize me yes <gasps> because, because i know so many people who are a big deal who get all this attention who don't deserve it i'm gonna be nice i'm like more people need to know that sarita is not just the girl behind the lens like you are you're that bitch I fucks, I fucks with you heavy. And you're also the first yeah. friend that I've gone on vacation with that I still liked afterwards. Well. In a very long time. Let's cheers to that. Because let me tell you something, honey. Because <laughs> what be happening on y'all, y'all girlfriend's trip? To Miami. I know. I'm like, y'all be, be going to Miami to write about that. Seriously. For real. Like a dog version of girl strip. Because like, yeah. I feel like our vacation was one of those things where we bared our souls in ways that I thought that we had already done. I was like, oh, it, go, it goes deeper than this. Yeah. I, I don't cry very often. I cried more on, on that vacation than I probably cried the entire three months, three years probably bef beforehand. But it's because I felt so vulnerable and felt so safe being vulnerable. And I thanked you profusely. And I'm going to thank you again for being the kind of female friend in particular that I could do that with. Because... We talk about all the time, female friendships can be catty by design. Mm. And it just feels so good to have a friend who is not trying to, like, have a gotcha with me, who just wants to be a part of my life. Yeah. So can we uh, toast to, like, real friendship? Absolutely. Let's toast to real friendship. I love you, bitch. I love you. Aww. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy to be on your podcast. You're going back. I know. 
first podcast I've ever done, and I'm so glad that I did it with oh, you. Oh, that makes me so happy, you guys. Oh, oh. I, I don't know why I poured myself this. I'm big and bold. Oh, no, we're, we're not going to do a quick shot. Let's I'm go, not going to do this Toast shot. to the friendship and... Toast to the friendship and... And, and swallow. I got to drive. Oh. Oh, that went down my throat. Okay. You guys, as always, this is Humanize. I'm your host, Lucy Lucima. Serena, what are your handles? Because they're going to be obsessed with you now that oh. they've met you. Should I look anywhere? I look at your camera. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some eye contact. Um, so where what are my handles? Oh, Rita Fajita. I'm Rita Fajita everywhere. Or you can just find, you can just type in Sarita Singleton because there aren't a lot of people with that name. Sarita is S-Y-R-E-E-T-A. Singleton, Rita Fajita. Yeah. And as always, I'm at Bluecentric on Instagram, Facebook, and anywhere else you can find me. And as always, you guys, remember that we are all just human beings doing human shit. And Humanize now has a Patreon page. So go to patreon.com backslash Bluecentric. And I will make sure that you guys get any bonus content that we will be filming. All right. Bye. Love y'all. Bye. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.